It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it's an absolute pleasure to be with you today. Uh, I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and I'm convinced that we're going to have a really terrific show. My guest will be with me very shortly, and we're going to have a lot of fun. I just want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I usually do this every single week. I had Jack Hanfield on my show a few years ago, and we had an amazing conversation. Many of you know that he was one of the featured experts in The Secret. So one of the questions I asked was, why does the law of attraction not seem to work for everyone? He said there were three reasons. First, we might have self-limiting beliefs around the thing we were asking for. If we don't believe we can really have it, then we won't get it. Second, we're not operating on the same frequency as the thing we're asking for. If we want something wonderful to manifest in our lives, but we ask from a place of sadness, depression, and despair, we're not in a position to attract that wonderful thing. But if you ask from a place of love, joy, and gratitude, then you are in a better place to receive. Finally, we're not taking enough action. You'll notice the last six letters of attraction are A-C-T-I-O-N. You don't sit on a couch and hope for a million dollars to attract and expect it to show up unless you do something worthy of that $1 million in the first place. So to learn more about how that interview with Jack Hanfield went, you can get my new book, uh, Success Profiles, Conversations with High Achievers, which is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and everywhere else. And that book actually did come out a couple years ago. So with all this in mind, I want to introduce my guest. His name is Will Tickle. Let me tell you about him. Born on an estate and raised in Oldham, he came from very humble beginnings. At 13, 13, he was suspended from school for being an entrepreneur, but that didn't stop him from making money. As head of marketing for a large marketing firm, he managed a million a month in ad spend. He launched his own marketing agency in 2017 and has worked with nearly 1,000 clients, generating them over $100 million in sales. His performance-based approach has helped take a furniture brand from 4000 a month to generating $3.8 million in 18 months. A footwear, a footwear brand from 600k a year to 2.6 million, and a fitness brand from launch to 1.6 million within just four months. Those are impressive numbers, and I can't wait to hear how he did it. We have a lot to talk about. So here we are with my very special guest, Will Tickle. How are you today, Will? Thanks for coming to the show. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. I'm good. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. So the first question I love asking everyone is, did you envision early on that you would be doing what you're doing right now? Um. Yeah, I think I did. Uh, not probably to the scale that we're at and probably the position I was at, maybe uh, not quite as far as I've got. Um, but yeah, I definitely thought I'd be an entrepreneur. I've kind of got that. Wonderful. From a young so, age. Yeah. Level. Yeah, you're in the digital advertising industry now, but it certainly didn't start there. Tell us about your path. No, it didn't start there, no. It was a pretty different journey, to be honest with you. We did a couple of things, so... Uh, got to university, did business at university. Whilst I was doing that, I ran an events company. Uh, the events company used to do events for students around the South Coast in the UK. Um, during that, I was a, pretty fortunate to be an early adopter of uh, Facebook ads. That was back when the uh, boost post button arrived. Uh, so pretty fortunate to get into that. Um, 
used it to you know get the event company to a certain point then sold my bit moved on went to affiliate marketing and uh, did that for a while in subprime prime finance space uh, mainly in vegas and then the south coast again um, and then moved on from there to work for a couple of big e-commerce brands in the uk where i really honed in my kind of skill set in digital marketing e-commerce and, and the kind of path i was going down and then uh ended up setting up social nucleus and uh yeah, so I put a bedroom and then kind of scaled it from there. That's fantastic. So you were suspended when you were in school for being an entrepreneur. What exactly were you doing? Yeah, so um, I actually got suspended because there's a well-known chef in the UK called Jamie Oliver, uh, who at one point had a big push to make school meals healthier. Uh, and during that push, he shut down any tuck shops or any shops within schools that used to sell sweets or chocolates or uh, Coke or anything like that. So once that happened, I went home. Uh, I went to a, a big store that can only be, I don't know, similar to a Walmart that you guys have over there. And I bought lots of sweets, chocolate, Coke, and everything that the shop sold. And then I stood outside it the next day and uh, sold them. And I got uh, suspended for making money on school premises. Wow. That's... That's crazy because was it because you were infringing on their territory in terms of what they were offering or they just they just couldn't stand the fact that you're being independent? Probably both. I think obviously they were trying to have this big principle of, uh, you know, we're shutting down and we're being more healthy and I was selling the unhealthy stuff like a few days later. And yeah. then also probably some kind of infringement on making money on school premises, I would imagine. Some, sure. Some terrible rule. Yeah. So what was your rock bottom moment and how did you get out of it? Uh, rock bottom moment, I would say, was a moment very early on was when we hadn't really got our hiring process up and ready. And we spent a lot of money as we were scaling the business on recruiters all at one time. And I think from that point, we went for a transition over six months of kind of losing identities we're very early on we're talking like four or five years ago but we we kind of had a real tough period of hiring the wrong people but also spending a lot of money doing so and obviously i'm, I'm sure you're well aware but the, the time it takes to hire you know can sometimes after you you know four to six weeks to maybe actually get the hire uh then you've got a three month uh you know kind of onboarding period for them to see if it works out probation you know, and then when it doesn't work out, you spent the money on the wages, you spent the money on the recruiters, you spent the money on uh, your time. For then to do that all again and be another five months, that's like 10 months that you've wasted and you'll know further forward. So I think using recruiters very early on um, and not really knowing what you was doing was probably the, the kind of rock bottom moment. Sure. So how did you decide to become an entrepreneur? I know this has been in your blood for a very long time. Yeah, do you know what? It's, it's an itch that I kind of always knew I wanted to scratch. I, I did it briefly with the events company at university and then, you know, kind of moved on into affiliate and then went, worked for a couple of brands. And whilst I, you know, I've always enjoyed working, I, I don't know, I never felt like I wanted to work for someone else for too long. You know, I always got the itch about doing my own thing and I felt confident enough to do so. I think I had the right skill set and skills to go away and you know, essentially start by myself. And to be honest with you, it started as, as me just leaving and freelancing, you know, and then it kind of rolled into building a, an actual business. Yeah. Was your family supportive of your entrepreneurial path? Uh, I would say not really. I don't think they understood what I was trying to do. I think with it being digital marketing as well, I think there's obviously a little bit of a, 
of a blocker there because my, my parents are obviously quite a bit older. Um, when you're trying to tell them that you run paid advertising, they, they don't really know that, what that is. So I think they were definitely sceptical, especially because I had a decent job. I was happy. Everything was good. Um, so I think they were sceptical more than anything. Um, mm-hmm. And also probably backed up by the fact that they had no idea what I actually did. Yeah. What would you say your mission is, your your big grand purpose in all, the, all of this? So when we first started, it's, it's probably different to what it is now. It's probably something we should probably revisit. But mm-hmm. when we first started, the gap in the market for me was big brands used huge agencies and then everyone else underneath was left to scrap around. Um, you know, and there wasn't many agencies that were built to provide results for uh, SMEs, um, which is what we based our business off. Um, I managed to do that very successfully. We provided some amazing results, as you noted earlier, for plenty of brands, uh, small, medium, and obviously enterprise size now. Um, but it was just to provide great results and, and kind of change lives both internally and externally. So for the people inside the office and, and the people outside, so our, our partners, our clients. That's fantastic. What do you think is the most expensive mistake that you've ever made? It can be financial. It doesn't have to be. It could be a time energy thing. It could be an opportunity that you should have taken advantage of, but you didn't. But what do you think is the most expensive mistake you've ever made? Most expensive mistake I've ever made so far um, would probably be the hiring that we spoke about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like we, like we touched on, not only was that time consuming, but it was also extremely expensive. Um, so I think that's probably the one that I would probably point back to and I would advise anybody that's looking to hire to make sure that you've got a real solid hiring process before you use recruiters. And I think it's mm-hmm. one of the first things that if I was to go back, I would do now um, yeah. because I really didn't know the importance of hiring and getting the right people in. It kind of seems like it'd be very easy. You find someone who looks like they can do a good job, you hire them, but it doesn't work out like that at all. Yeah. When you hire, how many people do you make someone talk to before you make a decision? Cool. So they'll talk to um, somebody in HR. Uh, so one of the girls that works in HR, they'll talk to the line manager uh, and they'll talk to myself also. We have three stages in our hiring process that we built out now. The first is just a screening. Uh, the second is a skills test. And the third is a personality test that they have to do offline. And then uh, from that, we then do our culture interview. So the, the, the personality test and the culture are kind of the same thing. Um, but the culture interview questions are based off of the personality tests that they've done. Um, well, yeah, core values alignment yeah. has to be has to be there for sure. A hundred percent. And I think one of the mistakes we made was it's very easy to tell people you're aligned with their values. But the one thing that we found that personality tests help with is you can actually see on paper whether they align with your values. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what they get motivated by. You know what they're like with attention to detail. Like one of our core values is uh, high standards always. You know, so it's like do you have high standards always, you know, or it's very easy to say you do, or do you actually? Yeah, absolutely. What do you think is the highest value skill that you can learn? Right now for me in my field, I would definitely say paid advertising or media buying. Um, Mm -hmm. I think right now, if you can be a media buyer uh, to a very high standard and you understand the data driven, you know, Google analytics, GA4 side of things. I think that's one of the, uh, Highest paid skills you can get within our space right now. I know some people that are doing extremely big numbers. 
Fantastic. We are coming up against our very first break. My guest is Will Tickle. He is the founder and CEO of Social Nucleus, which is a digital marketing company that is in the UK and has recently expanded to the United States. We're going to talk about a lot of things related to digital marketing. And what I'm going to ask him after the break is the biggest misconception people have about digital marketing. We'll talk about who his first hire was, how having someone on his team helps him get his time back, the difference between hiring fractionally versus full time. And we will talk about a lot more when we come back to the break. I think it's I think it's very, very important that when you are in a space with a lot of other uh, companies of, of your industry that you find a way to stand out. We'll talk about that, too. We'll be right back. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. It's Have you heard about the man who had a fir tree growing in his lung? A 28-year-old male living in central Russia went to the hospital complaining of chest pain. And when doctors x-rayed his chest... They found what appeared to be a tumor in one of his lungs. However, upon closer inspection, they were amazed to find this tumor was actually a small fir tree complete with needles. The moxicle face surgeon said he couldn't believe what he was seeing. What's another word for a skeptic? A pyronist. The five-centimeter branch was removed from the patient and kept by the tree surgeon for further examination. Doctors suggest the man might have inhaled a small bud, which then started to grow inside his body. What's the word for the fear of trees? Dendrophobia. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Will Tickle. We are talking about digital marketing this week. And if you have not picked up my latest book, it's called The Greatest Lessons I Learned from Being an Entrepreneur, Volume 1. Volume 2 will be coming out next month, and I cannot wait for you to get your hands on it and read it. So, Will, let's talk about the biggest misconception that people have about digital marketing. I would imagine that lots of people think that it's an instant fix, but like when any advertising, mm-hmm. it takes a while for it to take hold. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say, look, the, the biggest misconception is that you can turn it on over, overnight like a tap. That is absolutely not how it works. I mean, you would probably have had more success like that pre-iOS 14, which was a couple of years back now. Uh, but we're kind of in the new normal now. 
And, you know, you've got absolutely no chance of that happening nine times out of ten. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes you have the perfect storm, perfect product, perfect timing, perfect market fit, and things can really kick on. Um, but usually that takes quite a bit of financial backing to make it happen overnight as well. Um, I think you can get sales immediately in digital marketing, for sure. We, we do it all the time. However, you know, people, people tend to forget that it's going to cost you money uh, yeah. financially because there's so many different things at play. You've got, um, you know, you've got to know your numbers, for example, Cactual LTV, MER. Uh, you know, you've got to be on an omni-channel approach these days. You're looking at TikTok, you're looking at Facebook, uh, well, Meta now, Google, you know, Instagram, all these kind of places. They're all going to need creatives designing for them, made for them, user-generated content for them. So there's so much that goes into it. Landing pages built, uh, you know, split test, iteration, creations, you know, it's all these kind of things that goes into it now. Um, whereas I think three, four years ago, the boom of, of what was Facebook back then was, you know, how easy it was to get success on their advertising from. Yes. So let's talk about your company, Social Nucleus. How did you start that? Yeah, Social Nucleus was just born out of the fact that I was a media buyer. Um, and I spent a couple of, I spent a, probably a year or two working with two really well-known brands. They're called Danny Butt down there, uh, really Honed in on my skill set there with him, through him, I would say. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, left, started my own agency and scaled it up from there. We're uh, a bit different to what most agencies are like, to be honest with you. We offer month-to-month contracts. We are uh, performance-based payments, so no no retainers. Um, you know, we're more of a plug-in marketing department. Every team comes with a graphic designer, copywriter, paid specialist rather than just a media buyer because that's what you need these days to make it work to be successful so we act a lot more like a, a plug-in marketing department slash partner than a vendor agency kind of outfit i would say sure so what role was your very first hire we did talk about hiring a little bit before the break but what was the evolution of your hiring in your company what was your first role that you hired for the very first role I hired for was an account manager. And the reason I did that was because I knew I was at my bandwidth. I was at like 120%. You know, I was probably doing way more than I should have done as a media buyer and dealing with the clients and doing everything else that was needed for the actual uh, business. So I hired an account manager because my thought process was they would give me back more of my time. They could deal with the client facing side of things. I could concentrate on the media buying um, and it buy me more time and also give more bandwidth to take on more clients to increase the revenue to then bring more people in. So that was the first hire that I brought in. Great. So a lot of people would think that maybe sales would be your first hire, but it took you a while before you decided to hire a salesperson, right? Yeah, it took us a while. One of the last things we hired was a salesperson. I mean, even at this point now, we've only got uh, two salespeople. That's it. That's all we've got. Um, I was more interested, always have been and always will be on the client services side of things because Mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer that if you give a good service and your partners are happy, um, you're never going to be short of business, right? You know, right. we blow up a lot of clients. We do big numbers for them. We scale their ad spend. We get them more efficient. You know, we do a lot of really great things. They speak to people. Those people would like to work with us also. And that's uh, that's kind of how I saw it working. Um, and yeah, still today, we've literally got three salespeople. That's it. Right. And when you hire people on your team, it helps you get your own time back, right? Yeah, that was my thought process right at the start. And um, it kind of actually, it starts off where you get a bit of your own time back. So you hire an account manager, then you hire a graphic designer, copywriter, 
then you hire another paid specialist, you can bring more people on. And what happens is at some point is then you start filling your time back up because you've got more people. And then rather than, you know, you, you have to make that conscious decision. Do I want to be really small, have one team to look after and have all my time back? Or do I want to add another team on? That's going to take more of my time because I've got to spend time with the media buyers, making sure the service is great. Um, so you start by getting it back and then you kind of lose it again. Then you hire a load of people, you know, and then you get a bit more back and then you lose it again. So it's kind of chasing your tail, really. Right. So I hear a lot of people are hiring fractionally now. So what that means is you're hiring a C-level executive part time. So how did you decide to hire a fractional CFO versus hiring someone full-time straight away? So the financial side of things is uh, probably a blind spot of mine. I think if there was one, that would be it. Um, obviously, I know the bottom end numbers. I know what we need to do to work and grow. Um, but in terms of everything else, all the real intricacies of, intricacies of it, uh, I was probably weakest there. So I knew I needed to hire a, a CFO as soon as possible. However, at the point where we're at now, do we need a full-time CFO? I would say not. You know, we probably haven't got, well, we definitely haven't got a week's worth of work mm. for them because um, we're not at that stage. Um, so, you know, we, we looked at what we'd best do. We had an accountant that we outsourced it to, which was fine, but then it wasn't great. Um, so then we decided to hire a fractional CFO who came with a bookkeeper. I know, she's been amazing. She's been yeah. That's wonderful. So what difference differentiates your company from other players in your space? Yeah, our biggest differentiator. So on the front end would be how, how we charge. So we're performance based. Um, you know, we're month to month performance based. You won't get any, you know, six month retainers. You won't find a three month retainer at our place. Everybody's month to month. Um, so on the front end is that and the fact that we're performance based pay. So you don't pay any retainers. Uh, and then outside of that, uh, inside, we're actually an agile company. So agile, as you probably know, is a, is a methodology of how you run your business. Uh, mm-hmm. And it tends, tends to encourage bottom-up thinking. So from people doing the most work, they're the people that can consistently improve. We have a you know, bi-weekly sprint. We do the whole scrum thing. You know, so we've got the backlog, the bi-weekly sprint, scrum masters, product owners. Uh, and basically, everybody that we need to provide the service is in one individual team. And it was yeah. born out of, we used to get feedback from people saying, um, hey, I, I liked the copy last week. I used to know, you know, it's, I'm not too keen on it this week. Or, hey, I like the designs last week, but I'm not too keen on this week. And what that was because is because we were just giving the work to whichever copywriter or graphic designer was free, for example. So mm-hmm. instead of doing that, they were then not, not able to get any kind of consistency with how they were working, like none whatsoever. The client wasn't feeling it. We wasn't. So we decided to put, our individual uh, teams together. You could call them a pod, but you know we call them scrum teams. Um, and they will consist of a paid specialist, graphic designer, and a copywriter. That's all we need to provide the service for our clients. And then what we'll do is, is we'll get each team to just concentrate on the same clients week in, week out, allowing them, one, to get more consistent, two, to build a better relationship, and three, to feel more like a, your marketing department rather than our agency employees. Um, yeah. And what that's enabled to do is really get to grips with what the brand is, who they are, who they're talking to, and it allows us to scale a lot quicker. Absolutely. Let's talk about expansion to new markets because you're based in the UK. Was your desire to expand to the US born from getting busier or was it because you wanted to reach more customers in another market? <laughs> yeah, that and the sun. Um, no, it was, uh, 
it was born out of we actually had quite a few clients in the US um, and we're really precious about our, our churn rate. So churn meaning when clients leave, okay. we're very precious about it. That's like our number one metric. We drive that down as low as possible because we don't want anybody to leave ever. Um, right. Now, our churn rate in the US was completely different to our churn rate in the UK. Um, it was a lot higher, in fact. And the reason for that was what it derived to be because the services are exactly the same. So what it was is if we had a client over in LA, for example, they're eight hours behind. So if they just wanted one slight edit before we could go live with our ads, uh, they would give us that small edit at 5 p.m. We'd then do that edit tomorrow morning, but it would be a 24-hour turnaround for one slight edit. So it just right. wasn't worth working with us in comparison to someone just down the road right. uh, or down the street. So we decided to, to move out there to uh, reach the gap. And you know, since then, it's been fairly successful. Um, and obviously yeah. in Miami, nice weather and low tax as well. So can't really complain. There you go. We have less than three minutes to our next break. So how do you know when you're ready to outsource your marketing? I mean, is it, it's easier to do than hiring someone out, right? So how do you know when you're ready to outsource your marketing? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot easier to do than hiring in-house. I think especially when uh, most, I mean, we're, we're predominantly in e-commerce or uh lead gen so most people are so product focused or creative focused in what we do that they don't really know one who or how to hire for the roles that we have um so i think i've always thought the best time to do it is when you're kind of small to medium and then the best bet of when you want to hire an in-house team is when you get to large we've had quite a few clients that we've scaled up to a certain standard and then they've decided to take it in-house we even helped a few of them hire in-house uh, because mm -hmm. they knew they were going to struggle. Um, Absolutely. But I think when you start starting to do a certain amount of revenue, you know, you, you're talking like 10K plus a month, 15K plus a month, you should really look at uh, hiring an expert team uh, to come and help you propel you to that next level, which is what we do. Fantastic. Uh, we don't have too long to the break. So let me just ask, what do you think are some of the biggest challenges businesses face when they're trying to scale? Um, I think cash flow is one of the biggest if not mm -hmm. the biggest. I think also knowing your numbers for that cash flow. Um, not a lot of people spend a lot of time uh, trying to drive down margins. So whether that's with your 3PL provider, whether that's with your shipping, you know, whatever that is. And as you scale, your margins get slimmer, of course, when it comes mm -hmm. to advertising, it costs you more to reach more people. So I think the most difficult problem people have is margin. And then also cash flow. If you want to get to that next level, you need to put a huge order in for stock. You want to put a huge order in for stocks, it's going to cost you cash, but then you can't have a, load of, a lot of cash left to advertise. Fantastic. We're coming up against our next break. My very special guest is Will Tickle. He is the founder and CEO of Social Nucleus, one of the leading digital marketing agencies in the UK, also based in the US as well. And when we come back, we'll talk about how to access major brand marketing on a small business budget. We'll talk about a campaign launch he did that netted 100,000 in 24 hours and how to gain attention in a world that we cannot pay attention to anymore, especially with TikTok. We've got so much more to talk about and we will come right back after the break. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us, don't go away. We'll return.
mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Will Tickle, and we are talking about digital marketing this week. And if you have not downloaded and subscribed to Success Profiles Radio on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please do that. Leave a review. That would mean a lot to me. And, oh, by the way, if you want Alexa, Siri, or your Google device to play Success Profiles Radio, all you have to do is ask, and the latest episode will play for you. So ask for Success Profiles Radio on your device. That would make me very happy. And I think you'll be blessed by it too. So, Will, how do you access major brand marketing when your business budget is pretty small? Yeah, I think that's to outsource to somebody like us. I think if, if you know, back to what we spoke about briefly before the break, um, you know, if you want to hire a team of experts and quickly, you, you're going to want to hire someone like Social Nucleus. You know, we've built the SLPs, we've done the hiring. Uh, you know, we've got the market benchmarks, we've got all the tech stack, you know, we've got uh, we've got everything you need to hit the ground running. And I think if you're wanting to make an instant impact like there and then, you know, if you have uh, huge goals for Q4, for example, or, you know, huge goals for the next six months that you want to hit revenue-based goals for your investors, et cetera, then, you know, you're going to want to hire a, a, an expert team. You're going to want to do it quickly. That's going to be really hard to do in-house, like we just spoke about. Mm-hmm. You could hire us within four weeks. Sure, absolutely. So tell us about the campaign launch you did in 24 hours that netted 100,000. Certainly a lot of things had to be in place. You weren't starting from zero, right? Yeah, we we actually did. I mean, they, they'd did. been going for like, yeah, they'd been going for like probably two to three months. They're very small at this point. Um, they'd launched... Uh, kind of the perfect storm product really it was a it was an emerging trending product it was uh during the lockdown period uh, it was a massage gun um and it was going into q4 so around the black friday cyber monday times and you know with careful planning a good a uh, few good landing pages 
we created a load of really good assets, got some really good UGC done in-house. Um, and we really launched that in tandem with our email email and SMS marketing. And, you know, we managed to blow it up over a 24-hour period. Um, to numbers that they'd never done before, like not even close. You know, that was kind of around their monthly numbers at that point, And we managed to do it in 24 hours. That's absolutely amazing. So nowadays we find that people's attention spans are really, really small. So that makes it harder to get attention for our businesses. So how do you do that? I mean, you touched on it earlier, but I mean, specifically platforms like TikTok are kind of driving that lack of attention span. Um, so I think what you've got to know is you've got to know the nuances of each platform, where who's on them, what their attention spans is and, and how long you belong there. I think speaking about TikTok specifically, um, you know, the creatives on there, if you don't have a three, uh, a three second transition, then, you know, you're going to lose, you know, 80% of the people that are watching that video. Every three seconds, it needs to be a new, uh, a new transition going into a new screenshot or a new, uh, new scene or a new person or the next product. Because as soon as you last leave it more than three seconds, you'll lose the attention span of the audience. I think if we're looking to keep the attention span, you have to know the platform. You know, you've got a longer attention span on Google because people are shopping for things there and then. Uh, you've got a smaller one on uh, Facebook and Instagram or Meta and Instagram. Um, but then on TikTok, you've really got next to nothing. So I think you've got to know the platform and then you've got to deliver the craves that are going to win on those platforms. Right. And you have to have good copy and you really do need to have a good call to action too to convert, right? Yeah, you've got to have a good thumb stop that we call thumb stop ratio or scroll stopper um which is basically the uh, the thumbnail of an image to get people to stop so you've got to work there and then work your way backwards from that point your hooks the next thing which is the first three seconds and uh, then you've got your transitions after that you've obviously got your headline you've obviously got your copy you know visual hooks verbal hooks you know there's there's so much that you can really, really hone in on um that you need to know your numbers for then go away and make winning iterations. You know, we have a pretty solid uh, winning iterations process here where, you know, when we take one winning creative, we'll turn it into 2025 over the course of a week and then put it out for more testing, um, which means that we're just constantly looking for new iterations of what's going to work in the market. Sure. So let's talk about ad spend and let's compare social media ad spend like Facebook to Google ad spend. I would imagine it depends on your industry and what you're trying to accomplish. But when is it appropriate to do social media ad spend versus Google ad spend? I think all, I think all places have to have to test each platform to decide which one's going to be their winner. We've got mm. some brands that, that blow up on Google. We've got some brands that blow up on, uh, you know, Instagram only. We've got some that are just for TikTok. I think it comes down to your audience. It comes down to your offer. Google, for example, is an in-demand platform, right? Like uh, you, you crash your car, you need an insurance, you're going to go on Google because that's what you need. When you're on social media, you're actually just intruding on, on people's, uh, you know, mindless scrolling and browsing. And then it's up to you to get their attention and drive them through. But the fact that they're on their scrolling and browsing means that they've actually got time to shop. Um, so what you've got to do is really hone in on which channel works for you uh, and then kind of scale it from that point. But that only comes with testing. Um, the market right now is really, or what's working in the ad platforms anyway is really broad and generic. And it's just all about creative testing more than anything. For sure. So there's been a lot of chatter about how emails are not getting open nearly as much as they used to. Is email marketing dead? No, I don't think email marketing is dead. I think what people need to get better at is creating segments. Mm. Um, 
I think email marketing is dead if you're just going to send to everybody on your newsletter, regardless of whether they've opened recently, regardless of the um, most likely to open times, uh, regardless of what you're sending them, if you're just sending everybody everything. Um, I think people need to learn to segment and I think people need to learn to build flows and really start talking to their audience a little bit better rather than, uh, you know, one size fits all approaches. I, I love that. So text messages get opened a lot more frequently than emails these days. Are you in that space too? And how do you know whether text message marketing is appropriate? Yeah, I mean, text message marketing is definitely appropriate, especially in e-commerce. Um, you can't do it anywhere near as consistently as what you can do on email because it's definitely considered more spammy. There's, you know, you've got GDPR rules over in Europe and I'm pretty sure there's certain regulations in the US as well. However, uh, people are a lot more receptive to it now because people, phones aren't as private as they used to be and neither are numbers. People are more than happy to have text coming through uh, for shopping campaigns. So, and they are explosive. I mean, the returns that they can bring are incredible. Absolutely. Let's hear one of your favorite success stories for a client. Yeah, so I think, look, one of my favorite success, sto success stories is the, uh, the massage one we spoke about earlier. Um, I actually knew the guy that started that brand previously. Um, I'm watching his brand go from, you know, zero. It was his first, you know, real attempt at a brand. I think he'd done a little bit of dropshipping prior to that, but nothing, nothing major. And to help him go from, you know, zero to, you know, doing millions a year, uh, you know, leaving his job, hiring a team, you know, really growing his brand, his, his self and changing his life outside of the brand as well. Was, a, was one of my favorite ones. And it was one of the ones from earlier on as well. So it had a real personal feel. We knew him quite well. Um, and he, he went on to stay with us for like two and a half years, nearly three, I think. Wow, that's absolutely amazing. I know for an organization like yours to be very, very successful, you have to identify very clearly what your core values are. In fact, a lot of the most successful businesses that I talk to have very clear core values. What are some of yours? Mm -hmm. Sure. I mean, our absolute top value is extreme client focus um, because we want everybody to know who comes through our door that they are number one. You know, the partners come first. We are here to service them, to help them get better, to enable them to go further. Um, and we just want everybody to remember that all, at all times. You know, we take a backseat to our partners because we're just here to enable them. Um, our second one is high standards always. We want people to have high standards even when nobody's looking, which is something that we say often. So even when you know nobody's going to look at your work, even when you know no one's going to see what you're doing, if it's just, you know, organizing your own day, let's do it to the best standard that we possibly can. Because if you're going to do anything ever, you may as well do it to the best of your ability or not at all, is how we think. Um, and then the last one I would say is uh, constantly innovating. We're in a digital marketing agency, you know, we're in a digital world. We've got to constantly try new things, staying up with the trends. You know, this is a kind of market where you have to relearn your job every, you know, three to six months. So, yeah. you know, I think there are our top three. We do have yeah. more, but they're the ones that we, uh, you know, we really like people to hone in on. Yeah, and those are really great because when you do adhere to your core values, what you're doing privately within your own four walls shows up publicly when you're working with customers, right? Yeah, exactly. 100%. Absolutely. And it's just... Yep. Everyone gets by, bought into the same mission, right? So mm -hmm. when we buy into it, our partners feel it. When our partners feel it, you know, we really start to kick on and, and, and grow that relationship. Yeah.
When you started your company, did you have an end game in mind? I mean, did you look with the eye of possibly selling your company someday? Because sometimes people have that goal. Yeah, you know, I think uh, maybe not when I initially first started it, but then I think after a year or so, I thought that that could be a possibility and an end goal. Um, I think it's something that I will potentially do in a few years. Maybe not, mm-hmm. maybe not quite right now, but uh, mm-hmm. definitely something that I'll look into doing in the future. Sure. So in your experience or in your observation, if someone potentially could be looking to sell their company, how do you put yourselves in a position to be able to do so? Yeah, so look, the, the main things that I'd be looking at is as a, as a CEO, you've got to be removed. Uh, if you're not removed from the day-to-day, from the business, if, if the business is essentially you, for example, if you're one of the CEOs that has a huge um, personal brand, for example, and you're the, way, you're the reason all the leads come in, you're the reason all the sales come in, then don't, nobody's going to want to buy that business because they, would have to re- they can't replace you. Once you're gone, that lead source is gone, no sales are gone. So I think you have to make sure they can run without you at the same standard. Um, I think SOPs will help that, so standard operating procedures, because, uh, again, they help take yourself out of the business and make it consistent and uh, replicable. And then I think talent. One of the biggest things that people buy businesses for is talent, right? People are mm-hmm. in there, um, you know, because they can expand a lot quicker than to hire all those people. Right. Um, and I think, lastly, I'll probably say knowing your numbers. Uh, mm-hmm. whenever you get into those kind of discussions about selling it's all about numbers to begin with you don't even get through the door until the numbers are right and you need to know those inside out yeah fantastic so when you're starting a business how do you know if it's a good idea or not um i think market demand I, you know it doesn't take it doesn't take long to do research if, if you even got to be solving a painful problem in terms of a service or painful problem in terms of a solution if you're going to be offering something so you know you've you know like we said earlier you know you're going to need a, a solicitor a lawyer you know you can see that you're always going to need them trades will always be around you know direct consumer products will always be around you know there's always a, yeah. a painful point in someone's life that you can solve and i think those make the best business right and i think there's a fine line too because if you see that no one else is doing something either it is a brand new idea or it has been tried and it didn't work so no one's doing it yeah, 100%. It's, it's, it's got to make somebody's day better, whether it's a yes. service or a product or whatever. It's got to make their day better. You know, for us, we make people's days better because we scale the businesses. You know, makes it easy. Perfect. We're coming up against our final break. I can't believe how fast this is going. This is Success Profiles Radio. We'll be right back on the other side. Be right back. The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. 
first official 4th of July party was held at the White House in 1801. But did you know that countries other than the U.S. celebrate American Independence Day or July 4th? Denmark, Italy, Portugal, and England all have 4th of July parties. In fact, the British celebrate their independence with bungers and fizz gigs, otherwise known as firecrackers, just like in America. Squib is slang for an electric match used in pyrotechnics. Our dog celebrates July 4th every year the same way, by cowering under the bed. Many European celebrations take place, of course, at American military bases. I'd like to send a special thanks to all our armed forces stationed around the world for everything you do to provide freedom and independence to America. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Will Tickle. He is the founder and CEO of a digital marketing agency called Social Nucleus. So digital marketing is what we are talking about today. And if you have not uh, subscribed to Success Profiles Magazine, you can go to successprofilesmagazine.com. That is our digital monthly magazine, which is an extension of the radio show brand. And this month's cover is Tom Latigard. And we talked about how to protect your intellectual property and why it's so important to do that. Don't sleep on that. It could save you a lot of money, headache, and time down the line. In fact, I have filed for trademark protection for some things with him recently. So I do advocate for him. Tom Latigard is his name. So Will, let me ask you this. How do you decide who you want to work with, whether it's a team member or whether it's a client? What criteria do you have around that? Cool. So in terms of team member, um, you know, we like we said earlier, we've got a fairly strenuous hiring process that goes through, you know, three people in three different stages. Um, so we, we, we've kind of really got that honed in now. Um, you know, we want young, hungry people that are wanting to develop. Um, you know, you're either moving up or moving on is what we say, you know, mm-hmm. because we don't just want people to come here and you know, dot the I's and cross the T's. We want people to come here and want to expand, grow, do big things. Um, mm-hmm. We will we will encourage that and you know but that's also needed from within as well um and then in terms of a a client a partner um we have a again a fairly strenuous checklist because we know we know what kind of partners we can make this work for um you know we know who this isn't suitable for we know what stages you need to be at to make it work um and we, we want to take anybody on that we didn't think we could help yeah for sure what are some of your top productivity tips how do you get so much done I've, you know, I've really honed in on this over the years, that's for sure. Um, but I, I make sure I plan my week every Sunday, um, the entire week. I'll have recurring, I have a recurring calendar for, for certain tasks. So at the same points in every day, I'll be doing the same thing so you can get some consistency. Uh, it starts with deep work in the morning between, I would say, probably 7 and 1 o'clock. Um so 7 a.m. to 1 o'clock is where I'll get my deep work done. You won't find me in Slack. You won't find me in the emails. You won't be able to contact me via my mobile. Uh, and then coming out of that is when I'll start doing team meetings, individual meetings, you know, speaking with partners, um, 
you know, speaking with some of our clients, uh, you know, and then that'll take me through to the afternoon. Uh, and then evenings when I usually make, you know, I, well, when I can, I like to make sure I have a daily debrief and just look at what's happened today. Is there anything I need to follow up? Is there anything I miss? Anything that, you know, I may need to push uh, to deal with with somebody else, anyone's help, uh, just to make sure that, you know, you really take the day in because sometimes a week can mold into a day. Yeah, for sure. How do you know what to say yes or no to? Because the more successful you get, the more demands on your time there are and the more people want from you. So how do you filter out what you're saying yes to and what you're saying no to? Um, I mean, you've got to take each opportunity one by one. But for me, I'm a, I'm a real big advocate of get one thing, do it extremely well and devote all your time to it. And it will likely be better than doing two things at 50% anywhere, in my opinion. Um, I know a lot of people can have, uh, you know, a few things going on at the same time, but I think they're the kind of people that will hire a lot of people to run those for them. In terms of my personal time, I feel like you have to protect it at all costs because it's so easy these days with everything that's going on online, all that kind of stuff to become a busy idiot. And you mm-hmm. don't want to do that. You need to focus on the pillars and the levers that you can pull to move your business forward and mm-hmm. move our partners forward. Sure. Why do you think entrepreneurs tend to struggle so much in their businesses? Um, in what sense? Uh, I would say maybe getting more clients or maybe deciding how to prioritize things or how to even get out of their own way. Yeah, I think in terms of prioritizing things, I think you've got to learn. If I could give myself some advice for way back when, you know, one of the key turning points for me was when I learned what levers really moved the business forward um, you know what levers can I pull on to be most effective what should I be giving my 80% of the week to you know what should I be doing on a daily basis and I think once you kind of get that it's really easy to hone in on what you need to be doing on a daily basis and then it just becomes about being consistent and not suffering from job slip job slip is a big thing that you see entrepreneurs suffer from they end up doing all the things they've already hired for because they think i can do it better which in most cases may be right however you should be doing the things that nobody else can do but that's what you should be doing and if you constantly find yourself job slipping then you, you, you should probably look at upgrading that position sure what has surprised you the most about entrepreneurship um probably how lonely it gets i think mm. it's a very 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 lonely journey there's not many people uh, until i started networking and you know reaching out to people on twitter and stuff i think uh until then i think it's a very lonely journey no one really gets it you know people will say why are you still working it's you know 7 8 p.m it's like well because i've got to you know because i need to i want to make it success and i think probably just how much it becomes probably unhealthily obsessive with it overnight like you don't even realize it and then next thing you know, your days are literally dictated by business performance, partner performance, like are the partners doing well? Yes. Will's happy. Are they doing well? No. Will's not happy. You know, it really does start to dictate your life. Yeah, for sure. What advice would you give to an entrepreneur who might be starting out right now? Uh, advice I would give to an entrepreneur starting out right now would be to know your numbers, uh, I think start something that you're passionate in, something that you will enjoy doing, um, whatever that may be. Uh, and I think just go all in. Just literally go all in. I, I, I don't think you can be 
half-hearted in this in this kind of world that we're living at the minute. There's so much competition in all angles that if you've got like one foot in, one foot out, it won't work. Save your money and do it when you're ready. Yeah, I, I love that. Who is the most influential mentor that you've encountered in your journey? So I've probably had two or three, I would say. Okay. Uh, that I've worked with. I've had uh, probably Pete and Ryan from the events that I used to run way back when, when I was younger, they were quite a bit older than me. And they really showed me, you know, kind of the foundations of business and how it works and kind of took me in um, and gave me that first, uh, you know, bite of the entrepreneurial apple, if you like, because they brought me in on, on a few things. Um, I think the second one would be a guy called Danny Buck, who owns some really well-known brands in the UK. Um, I worked a couple of years with him in e-commerce, uh, really honing that e-commerce skill set and a really buying stand for understanding the whole outset and throughout kind of thing. And uh, moving on from that was a guy who I'm actually our business partners with called Anthony Tombiolo, who scaled and sold his agency in New York uh, for a, a, a decent amount, uh, probably a couple of years ago. Now we work together. So yeah, I'll probably say those three. Wow, that's great. What do you think is the most influential book you've read? I read uh, Think and Grow Rich, and that is the book that pushed me over the edge to start uh, my business. I was like, yeah, I was going to do it on my own. Yeah. That, that's what. I always had the itch, and I was getting a bit, I was getting older and older. I was like 23, 24, you know, I was 25, 26, and I was like, right, okay. You know, and then I kind of read that book, and I was like, I'm going to have a, I've got an itch that I need to scratch. You know, I kind of need to go and, and build this now, you know. For sure. What are you the most proud of in your life and your career? What I'm most proud of? My thing I'm most proud of is I enjoy enabling others. So I think the people that work for Social Nucleus like working for Social Nucleus. You know, we've had, they tend to stay for a while. We've had uh, a baby, a few weddings, you know, new houses bought. And I think that all comes from Social Nucleus, obviously, because that's enabling it. I think that's a really proud thing because you're actually changing lives, not just externally for your partners who are, you know, you're growing their business, you know, 500% up year on year, you know, blah, blah, blah. On top of that, you're also doing it internally because as we're scaling our business, we're taking people's lives with us. Yeah, for sure. If you were starting over today, knowing what you know right now, what would you do differently? I would start sooner. <laughs> mm. I, think, uh, I think that anyway. I think that now, even if I didn't know what I knew now, I, I, if I could go back, I would have started sooner because I think I, I had enough. You, you go through a period sometimes where you think, oh, I'll just stick around and work for a couple more years and pick a few more skills up off these people. I mean, actual fact, some of them didn't make that much of a difference and you could have probably gone a little bit sooner. For sure, for sure. What is the scariest thing you've ever done? Scariest thing I've ever done? Probably leaving my job to start a business, I would mm. say. I think also when I was 18, I left home and moved to the other side of the country to go to university as well, to a place where I'd never even been. I'd never even been there or even close. And I just picked up and left because I knew I wanted to, you know, kind of make that leap of independence, if you like. Sure, sure. If you could give advice to the 18-year-old version of yourself, what would you tell him? Uh, read more. Read more. I didn't start reading until I was probably like 24, I would say. And mm -hmm. that is one of the things that has had 
has made a substantial difference in my trajectory in terms of skills, knowledge, uh, ability. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. How important is giving back to you? So, yeah, so important. Yeah, 100%. I feel like you've got to give back. Um, I just think it's a natural way of life, right? Yeah, for sure. So we've got a couple minutes left. And the question I ask everyone, who inspires and motivates you? Uh, I would always say my parents, whenever I get asked this question. I think uh, we come from very, very humble beginnings. And, you know, I kind of spent my childhood watching them work jobs, really tough jobs, really hard jobs, uh, you know, in probably tougher circumstances than than most. And I think, uh, you know, every day they were happy, every day they got up and went to work. They never complained. They just did what they needed to do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, helped provide more opportunities for me and my siblings. Absolutely. How can we get a hold of you? How can we learn more about you? Sure. So obviously you've got uh, socialnucleus.co, so that's just .co. Uh, we are Social Nucleus on all platforms. And obviously with uh, my name, William Tickle, you can find me at William Tickle on all platforms as well, uh, predominantly on LinkedIn and, and Twitter, though, to be honest. Absolutely. Final thoughts as we wrap up. Final what, sorry? Final thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, get in touch. <laughs> no, there I'm you joking. go. I've, I've really enjoyed today. I know it's been good. Um, I think main main thoughts on what we spoke about, to be honest with you, is just get your fundamentals down. Um, and I think once you once you kind of learn the levers that you need to pull in your business, you'll be good to go. Perfect. William Tickle, thank you for joining us. It was an honor and a privilege to have you on the show. No worries. Thank you for having me, Brian. Appreciate it. All right. And thanks to all of you for listening. This has been Success Profiles Radio. Join us every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, where I interview another world-class achiever, learn what they did, what they overcame and the lessons we can learn along the way until next week. Take care, everyone. Goodbye. Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. We'll have guests that will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. If you've ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living, then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join us again next week for more Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. 